listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going and you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell again joining us from Launceston on his series, Are You Listening? Welcome, David. How are you, Jason? Good to see you again. Oh, well, here you are. I'm very well, thank you. And uh, today, I'll just remind our listeners, um, well, I say this so that people, if they're listening live, they know it's a live program. So it's the uh, Thursday, the 27th of July today, so... Um, if you're hearing this on Thursday the 27th of July, it's a live program. So we'd love to hear from you today and uh, do interact with us as uh, you feel you would like to. We'd certainly love to hear from you today. David, uh, you like to share a little proverb each time we begin your programs. And today I believe you've got another one to share. Yes, I do. This one's a little more cryptic, but uh, I would like to use it because I think it uh, explains well. Um, I guess it's a good lead into our program today. So, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8 and 9, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. If, you, if you're listening well to that, you can hear in verse 8, there's a positive affirmation for people who uh, really want to know what, what God's ways are. And the verse 9 is a negative uh, affirmation for those who, who don't, those who don't want to choose God. And I think that's really describing the two different groups that we have in the world today. And I guess it's for God against God, for Satan against Satan. Um, and, and where we've been sharing real wisdom in the Bible, um, what, what God really wants for us, uh, what he's like, eternal life that he offers and how to achieve it. And comparatively, there's the alternative of an eternity without him and what that looks like. And that's what we've been sharing. So I see in that positive affirmation, negative affirmation in those two verses, we see those two sides of the picture or the two sides of the coin that we've been discussing these past weeks. Mm. Do you want to just uh, give us a recap of where we came from last week or uh, over the past few weeks before we get into today's topic? Yes, uh, I'll do another summary next week, but uh, I really wanted to just do a quick overview today. Mm of where we've come from because we've covered a lot of topics we've we've reaffirmed that the bible can be trusted we've seen what's the purpose of the bible pastor robbie bergen uh, speaks about on the faith experiment knowing your reason for studying the bible and and it's important to know what is in this book and what it was written for for us to understand god to know more about him but also to know him. That's, that's the real importance of the Bible. And if we don't understand that, we come to the Bible with different reasoning. That's what he talked about in, the, in that series on understanding the Bible and, and being able to read the Bible properly. Mm. So we've looked at that as a trustworthy source. We've seen who God is, what he's like. We've looked at 
where we came from, where evil came from. We've looked at how God himself provided a solution for us. And we can either take that solution or leave it. God doesn't force that on us. He gives us the option. And I think that's very important because dictatorships give you no option. Mm. There's only their way or the highway, as you've heard it said. You've probably met some people like that. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) and certainly there are leaders around the world who are like that. And um, I think it's such a critical, important that uh, we understand that God's way is a way of free will. It is, it is. And he values it so much that he allowed us to, uh, to, to make that free choice. And him knowing what would happen in the future, this is the thing that blows my mind. Uh, knowing what would happen in the future, he still created us and gave us that free choice. That shows me so much of the character of God. Mm. So we looked at how he provided after he left. Uh, so he provided that eternal solution through Jesus and his sacrifice. He left and he sends a, another helper, someone to help just like he did and the holy spirit imbues the church it imbues the person it gives us the strength to be obedient and live those changed lives we looked at the special gift that god gave us called shabbat and that was Mm. just a wonderful program because it showed us that god fills us especially on that day not 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 on other days but especially on that day so we can worship god any day of the week but that day that day the seventh day sabbath he gives us this special infilling we talked about the different character traits that god wants for us to have so that we will fit into the kingdom of heaven an others centered attitude Um, we looked at what jesus is doing right now even right now before he comes to ensure we can be connected with god eternally and last week we looked at the topic of life after life showing what happens when we die and what comes next so people don't have to fear um, dying but they also need to realize that there's no second chance what we choose now will will have a, a huge impact an everlasting impact to either be with god or without god forever mm-hmm. Well, uh, I do encourage you to go back and have a listen to some of those. If you've missed them, you can do that on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download the Faith FM Australia app from the Apple or the Google app stores and uh, search for the program Are You Listening? You can also find those on our Tassie Encounters program as well. So um, we encourage you to do that. Just remember our show number today is 0488880891. So do write that down. We've got a question for you and uh, we'd love to hear from you today as well. So David, um, do you want to just give us a bit of an introduction as to where we're going today? Today is a very interesting topic because as we've led up to what happens after you die, we talked about when Jesus returns, we talked about all of these things. Today we're going to look at a topic called uh, a thousand years of peace. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to delve into the, this important time and uh, we're going to soon come into this time. I can't tell you exactly when, but I can tell you the events leading up to it as we've talked about. But nevertheless, we're going to soon enter this time in different ways. So I'm hoping you and I, Jason, are going to enter it in the same way. Um, there are other people are going to enter it into a different way. And we're going to have a look at that. But first, before the break, I want to ask a listener question, as I always do. And the listener question 
thinking about, you know, a thousand years of peace, solitude, that sort of thing, I would like to ask, what is the longest time of solitude you've ever had? What was good about it? What was bad about it? All right, so the longest time of solitude you ever had, what was good or bad about it? For me, um, give you time to think, Jason, but for me, it was seven weeks of holiday travelling halfway around Australia. We travelled from Perth, we stopped a day in Coober Pedy, four days in Ayers Rock, a day in Alice Springs, two days at Airlie Beach, a week in Brisbane, a week in Sydney, four days in Canberra, a week in Melbourne, uh, two days in Adelaide, then back to Perth. It was a total of 35 days stopped. When I say stopped, I mean, you know, tent up and, and, and uh, enjoying our time there. Mm. And altogether it was 14 days of travel time which doesn't seem like a lot, but we did a lot of distance. We did about 18,000 kilometres. Mm. Now, that might seem like a chore to most people, but to me it was solitude because I was together with my family and I absolutely loved driving. So what about you? Did you have a long period of solitude anywhere? Well, not as long as that. Um, <laughs> I, For most of my working life I've um, run my own business and so... It's hard to get away for long periods of time, but oh, uh, I I do remember a couple of uh, holidays that we've had, and um, uh, sometimes <laughs> my problem is with my wife as well is that when we mm. go away, we try to pack too much into those those weeks, mm. and so often mm. they don't end up being as relaxing as uh, we'd like them to. But yeah, Very I think true. I think uh, those times of of uh, travel and. Um, mm. It can be really nice just to spend some time quietly uh, relaxing and exploring new places. I think it's a, a great way to get away from the busyness of life. Yeah, very true, very true. So our listener question again for everyone is, what is the longest time of solitude you've ever had? What was good or bad about it? Text us in, let us know, 0488 880891. We'd love to hear from you today. Um, as we go to our break, we just uh, want to uh, encourage you to connect with us. If if you can't answer the question, just do uh, you know text us in. Uh, let us know where you're listening from, and uh, we'd really love to hear from you today. So this uh, is a beautiful song. It's called "You Are Welcome Here" by Chris Muglia. Come all you wounded and weary Come all you heavy of heart Come with your fear and your burden Come with your pain and your scars Come to the ocean of mercy Be revived, renewed and refreshed Wherever you are no matter how far, come find your peace and your rest. You are welcome here, come as you are.
anxious who long for your place. Bring your addictions and battles. Find your forgiveness and strength. You are welcome here, as you are. Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with David Maxwell this morning and our topic is 1,000 Years of Peace. That sounds like an amazing time. I would love to experience that. Um, a gr- beautiful song there by Chris Muglia and uh, you are welcome here and of course we know that uh, God wants us to be part of uh, the the journey to spend time with him. So we're going to dig into this a bit more. We asked you a question before the break. What is the longest time of solitude you've ever had? What was good about it or what was bad about it? Text us in 0488-880-891. So, David, uh, you mentioned we're going to be looking at 1,000 years of peace, and uh, you indicated that this time frame is is coming up soon and um, you're going to talk about some of the things that are going to happen before that but you also mentioned that different people will experience this uh, a thousand year period differently so in different ways yeah yeah. what did you mean by that yeah yeah thanks jason so today we're going to look at this strange period of time mentioned in the bible and it covers the first a thousand years before oh after jesus returns and some have called it millennium the millennium but we'll look at that in a moment First, we'll pray. Uh, I'll pray for my readers because it is a, a difficult subject, but it's also a very important subject because you want to make sure you're in the right group that experiences this. But first, I'll pray, uh, and then we'll look at the verses we're looking at. So let me pray for our listeners. Sure. 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we still have your word. We want to thank you for even the difficult passages because it makes us dig deeper. Lord, please give us your Holy Spirit to understand as we hear this today. And Lord, please be with us as we present it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the verses I want you to look at this morning first, we're going to read from the NLT. I feel it's a little easier to understand from that version. And it's Revelation 20, verses 1 to 5. Could you read that for us, please, Jason? Sure. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Mm, thanks, Jason. That's a, a really good passage because it. I, I think that was really clear mm. in the New Living Translation. Mm. So as we go through this topic today, I, I want to start with an illustration entitled, I Will Give You Rest. You, know, you remember, or you might not remember, but let me tell you so you can look it up. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm. What is Jesus going to give us rest from when we come? Well, I'm guessing the rest from this life that is uh, full of challenges and problems and uh, evil and all sorts of um, difficulties that we face. Yeah, that's right, Jason. Uh, you know, it, it says our labor and heavy loads. Yeah. Now, I believe Jesus is speaking more than just our daily challenges and trials, and I believe that's part of it, but there are people who come to Jesus and still have heavy loads to bear. Mm. You know, I know people who are Christians and they have multiple disabled children. Well, they can't say that they came to Jesus and God took away all their burdens, mm. but he certainly made them easy to bear. That, that's what the Christian life is about. Mm. In a world laden with sin, I believe Jesus is speaking of the spiritual rest he can and will give us when we come to him. Mm. He often lifts our burdens of sin. He does lift our burdens of sin, and he gives us rest from being a slave to it. So the ultimate time of rest from sin then is when Jesus comes and gives us new sinless bodies and characters, isn't it? Mm. That's the ultimate. That's what we can look forward to. And this begins at Jesus' return. I want to read this just briefly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 and 52. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, God really narrows it down, mm. <laughs> doesn't he? Mm. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That's a fascinating period. It really is. Do you, do you, um, what do you think of that, that passage, Jason? Well, I think it's going to be a pretty uh, amazing uh, time, an amazing experience, an event, um, I think, like nothing we've seen before. Mm, mm. 
So Paul is writing here to the Corinthian church, and he's, through these insights that he was shown, and John confirms in Revelation 20, in the vision that he sees of that time, a number of things happen when Jesus returns. So in a, in a quick summary, before we uh, unpack them a bit more, we see the wicked are destroyed, Revelation 19.21, just before that passage you read. We see that's also the case in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. The righteous are both resurrected and transformed. That's in this passage. We're going to dig into that a little bit further. Satan is constrained from being able to tempt anyone. You read that about uh, being uh, illustrated as being chained and thrown into a deep pit. And then we see that the, the earth is left barren and uninhabited. We'll read that in a moment in Jeremiah chapter 4. So let's look at each of these details, um, each of these events in more detail, and we'll start with what happens to the righteous or those who've chosen to follow Christ. It doesn't mean we're perfect, um, but those who've chosen, chosen to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, the whole reason that Jesus is coming back is to collect, if you like, those who've, uh, who have chosen to be with him. That's his promise. He's not come back to destroy or punish people. That's not his purpose. Many people think, oh, you know, if Jesus comes, I'm going to be destroyed and I don't want him to come. But that's not the reason he's coming. He's actually coming to get us. As sinful as we might be, as we've put our life in Christ's hands and we've asked him to change us, he says, right, I promise I'll come and get you again. Let me read it. He's talking to his disciples. A little time before he leaves, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or some versions say many rooms. Mm. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So that tells me a lot of things. Firstly, there's a promise that Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm coming back. And I'm coming to get you to take you to be with me in heaven. He's not coming to destroy us for our bad stuff. That will happen if we don't choose Christ. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But nevertheless, he says, I'm coming back to get you. However, for this to happen, first of all, those who have died need to be brought back to life, don't they? Because if you've died, you're in the grave, you're sleeping. That's, that's what we've discovered in our Bible study. The Bible tells us that this is a mystery. This is a mystery. So I'll go back to 1 Corinthians, and I'll read that again. And it says in verse uh, 52, um, oh, sorry, 51, the second half, it says, Behold, I tell you, a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. We will all be changed. And in verse 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. So there's a, there's a, there's a change that's happening um, to those who've died. They're being resurrected. So God's promised to recreate us all. <clears throat> if we die before he comes, and Daniel called this um, a resurrection of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, meaning those who've died, as we've already seen. But that's only half the mystery. You remember from previous program, we spoke about how Moses wanted to see God, and God said, no one can see me and live, can't, did he? So no one's going to see my face and live. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is coming. In Matthew twenty six sixty four, as he's quizzed about who he is, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You, and he's talking about these people who are persecuting him, you will see me coming in the clouds of heaven, sitting at the right hand of the power. That's God the Father. And so if if 
if Jesus was to come with God the Father and we're in our present form, it doesn't matter whether we're good or bad, every one of us will be destroyed unless God does something for us. Mm. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15 that I've just read, he says that we will be transformed. He's, he's thinking he's still going to be alive, but he's saying those who are alive will be transformed. It says the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So we don't have immortality now. We don't die and go on to another place uh, of consciousness. When we die, that's it. We have mortality. But when Jesus comes, we're going to be given immortality Mm. when he transforms us. And then what follows this is he's going to take us to be with be with him in heaven. And we see this in First Thessalonians, First um, Thessalonians chapter four and verse fifteen to seventeen. It says, Paul is trying to give them some encouragement, and he says, For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he says, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we will always be with the Lord. That's a really encouraging verse. I love that. Mm. So this is saying that we can't go to heaven unless we're changed. And there's a specific verse somewhere, and I can't remember where it is, that actually says that 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 will be changed um, you know, into in, his glorious body. Is it? Does it say in the twinkling of an eye or something like that? Yes. That, uh, will be changed yes. um, uh, immediately. Yeah, that's right. At the last trumpet, in the mm. twinkling of an eye, that's in that those verses in Corinthians. Right. Yeah. So the sleeping unrighteous, except for a small number, they remain asleep. They remain asleep. I haven't got time to look at that right now. We have to go to a break, but we'll come back with that in a moment. No worries. We will do that um, just in a moment. But our next song today, but before we go to the song, let's remind you of our listener question. What's the longest time of solitude you've ever had? What was good about it or what was bad about it? Do text us in on 0488880891. This song is Face to Face by Zach Williams. Oh, I'm a traveler Far from home I get lost But I press on Cause there's a mansion And streets of gold Where I belong Yes, there's a day Coming soon Where the old Will be made new And heaven's glory Shines like the morning Before I rise When we all see Jesus When we all see Jesus No more sickness 
is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with David Maxwell this morning on the series Are You Listening? We've been talking about just recently in the last section about the time period of which the dead will be raised and those who are alive will be caught up into the air to meet Jesus face to face and I think that song uh, was very applicable because uh, mm, it was talking it was. about being face to face. Now, we talked about those believers, I guess, David, but what about mm. those who have not believed? What's, what's going to happen in that case? Yeah, this is, this is actually fascinating to understand this properly because it shows the grace of God. So the sleeping unrighteous, those who've died and never accepted Jesus, don't want anything to do with him. Except for a small number, they remain asleep. They all remain asleep. Revelation 20 and verse 5, it says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years was finished. And that's quite clear, isn't it? Mm. That's quite clear. But there is a small number of those those who don't follow Christ, a small number of those are raised to witness Jesus' return. And even in that, there's a couple of categories. Let me read Matthew twenty six sixty four. Jesus is on trial. And they say, are you, are you the son of God? Are you God, basically? And Jesus replies, and he says in verse 64, It is as you said, nevertheless I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Mm. And from that statement it appears... You know, I can't build a whole theology on this because there's only one verse that talks about it. But it appears that those who pierced Jesus, those who put him on the cross, those who were responsible for his crucifixion, mm. will be raised to see him come. Now, there could be two categories in that anyway. 
there could be some of those who did all those things or witnessed all those things may have accepted Christ later after mm. his resurrection. Mm. Mm. Well, they're going to be raised, as we just read, and they'll be in the group of the righteous. But if they hadn't accepted Christ, they will be raised to witness with their own eyes his return. And then what happens to them after that, we'll see in a moment. <clears throat> the living unrighteous, when it comes to those who have not chosen Jesus, the Bible says in Second Thessalonians 3 that they are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. And in Revelation 19, the sword or the word of his mouth. He's not coming with a big sword sticking out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. Revelation is a symbolic book. And the sword is called the word when we read about the sword of the spirit. When we read about uh, putting, uh, taking the sword of the spirit in our hands, it's the word of God. This We have it here today. But he will come with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and that also will destroy those who haven't accepted him. Mm. This is because, we've, as we've discussed in the past, sinful man in this current form can't see God's face and live. Mm. You know, So those who haven't accepted Jesus while they're alive will not live through Jesus' return. And Jeremiah um, chapter 4 actually com uh, confirms this. Let me read Jeremiah four twenty three to 26. And yes, it's in a different context, but clearly this passage has a dual application and it's speaking about Christ's return. Verse 23, I beheld, so God speaking to Jeremiah, he says, I beheld the earth and indeed it was without form and void. Same terminology as used in Genesis. And the heavens... They had no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. It's not creation because it goes on. I beheld, and indeed there was no man. Mm. There were no men, no, no men and women, so mankind. And the, all the birds of heaven had fled. I beheld, and indeed the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. And this appears to be speaking about the day of the Lord, as it mentions so many times in the Bible. Mm. So let, let, me, let me read what happens to the righteous during that period. During that period, that, that thousand years, what happens then? So Jesus comes, there's the beginning of this thousand-year period. First and foremost, as we've seen, the righteous are given new bodies and they've returned to be with Jesus in heaven. In Revelation, all that it says that happens there is that they are then committed to some kind of judgment. So they go back to heaven and there's some kind of judgment. Revelation 20 and verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded, and it talks about the, those who had been faithful to Jesus, and they lived and reigned a thousand years. So it appears there's some kind of judgment. What kind of judgment is this? What judgment? Is it a judgment to decide who should be in heaven? What do no, you think, Jason? They're, they're already there, so it can't be that. That's it. It can't be that. So God has had to have already had some kind of a judgment to decide who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't. Um, he says, Jesus says, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So how can he be uh, bring the reward unless he's already worked out who, who deserves what? Mm. But the Bible also speaks elsewhere about a judgment that the righteous will do. And this is in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 6 and verse 3. Uh, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church and he says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? Mm. 
As we've discussed previously, Satan's attack on God is that he's not fair. So here during the thousand years, God is allowing an unbiased jury of humans to decide by looking at the records of these mighty angels' actions as to whether there is any merit to those claims of Satan, that God was unfair in the way he tossed them out of heaven. Um, as, as they read that information, as they go through God's judgment records as to who's in heaven and who's not, they will see that God was right in banishing Satan and a third of the disobedient angels. That, that's an incredible responsibility that they're given, I think. Mm. The unrighteous. So as for those who don't choose to follow God, there's two categories. There's humans and there's Satan and the other disobedient angels. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. That summarizes all those mm. who don't follow God. Mm. So as for the humans, as we read in Revelation 24, 20 and verse 4, they did not live again till the thousand years were finished, so they all remain in their graves during that time. Okay? Satan, this is also the way that Satan is bound. He loves to tempt people, uh, but God in his mercy... God in his mercy, I want you to hear this clearly, God in his mercy will not allow Satan to continue to tempt and afflict people for those thousand years. Now, they're not going to live a thousand years anyway. But even though they denied God and chose Satan as their leader, either directly or indirectly, God will allow them a thousand years of peace, a thousand years of peace, free from Satan's attacks and temptations as they rest in their graves during that time. Mm. Now, God could just leave them to live out their lives under Satan's rule. He could. He could have decided that only Jesus and the angels are coming. I'll stay in heaven so the, the, all of humanity is not destroyed. But he says, I'm going to let them rest. I'm going to let them rest. They've had enough of trouble from Satan. And to me, it shows God's grace in that he will not allow Satan the privilege of tempting and tormenting people under his rule um, because his true character will come out when God's you know, righteousness is completely removed from the earth. Mm. So um, it, it's clear here that uh, that because there will be no humans alive during that period of time on the earth, but Satan mm. is uh, still alive. It doesn't say that Satan has been destroyed at this point in time. No. So he, he's going no. to be there with the angels um, to to basically sit and wait for a thousand years. There's there's no one yeah. to uh, torment. There's no nothing to do. No, no, that's exactly right, Jason. Jeremiah four twenty three twenty six, as we read, it says there is no man left alive. Mm. And in Revelation 25, it says they did not live again till a thousand years were ended. This is very clear that there is no humans living mm. on the planet for that a thousand years. Now, it's really interesting because the Day of Atonement image that's talked about in... Um, uh, let me think, uh, Leviticus, yep. I think it's Leviticus chapter 4 or, or 4 or 16, I can't remember, I think it's chapter 4. And it talks about the Day of Atonement scapegoat. And this scapegoat illustration and explanation, even Satan has even changed the idea of this today. Because if I say someone was a scapegoat, it means an innocent person usually has taken the fall for someone who's guilty, right? Yeah. So Satan has changed the concept of this scapegoat because in that Day of Atonement, the scapegoat was not an innocent party. The scapegoat actually was the one who, who, who was responsible, the ultimate responsible party for all the guilt. 
And, and he is assigned the guilt of all of those who don't want their sin taken by Jesus, who's paid the price for them. Um, he is assigned the guilt of those who he uh, tempted and who fell, and they said, look, we want Jesus to take our sin. Jesus died for our sin. He paid the price for our sin. But the, the responsibility for that sin actually falls on the scapegoat. He's mm. the one ultimately responsible for it. But mm. that might be a study for another time. Yeah. Well, it's time for another break. But before we do, we've got our book offer today. It's called Real Peace, Real Answers. And this is uh, part of the Happiness Digest series. And it's number nine. I know we've given away uh, at least one or two of these uh, books before in this series. So uh, this is by Ellen White. And its uh, description is this. uh, Real Peace, Real Answers offers words of help and hope to all who are seeking to understand how to come to Jesus and experience a personal relationship with him. It combines Ellen White's beautiful description of God's love and saving grace with meaningful questions about salvation, answered clearly straight out of the Bible. The last part of this book contains answers directly from the Bible about can we trust the Bible? Why all the suffering and pain in this world? How do humans escape sin and death and 1,000 years of peace and many other topics. And, of course, that's uh, relevant to today's topic as well. So we do encourage you to hang in there, stay tuned, and the code for this book is uh, straight after the break. This is Home by Evan Craft. I've travelled the world Trying to find a place That I could call home Wanna leave my trace A legacy, a melody that leads us back to you So I won't relent until I'm home with you I was lost in the dark Heard you call my name Dreams so far and gone Till you fed my
Encounters on Faith FM, and we're finishing our program today with David Maxwell, and we've been talking about the thousand years of peace. Now, before the break, we mentioned our book offer today. It's called Real Peace, Real Answers, and uh, we'd love you to claim a copy of this today. The code for that is Listen to One. Listen to One. No spaces. Text Listen two one L I S T E N and the number two and the number one to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and you can claim this free book offer today. David, uh, just during the break, I was uh, mentioning that last night we were uh, having a Bible study with some men, and uh, one of the guys just said that one of the ways he studies the Bible is just to read uh, books of the Bible and um, different books of the Bible. He reads them many times, and you know, today Ooh. we're studying this uh, in detail. It can be a confusing topic, Ooh. but uh, the way he put it is that when you read the Bible and you read it multiple times, these concepts just start to fit, fit together, and you sort of like get a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, you get this big picture view, and then Ooh. when then the detail starts to make sense. And so, yeah. I guess we'd encourage our listeners today that if you've never read the Bible through, mm. if you've never read the whole New Testament or the whole Old Testament, it's worth doing. And if you if you find uh, reading difficult, um, work out a way you can listen to it. It's a uh, very easy now if you've got a phone or a computer to listen to the Bible being read to you as well. Mm. So before the break, you were saying that um, <laughs> Satan's going to be left with his angels uh, with no one to tempt for a thousand years. And uh, mm. what's going to be happening during that time and what happens after? Yeah, thanks, Jason. What you've just mentioned is really pertinent. You know, the big picture view helps you to understand this as a fulfillment of something that was predicted in the Old Testament through a symbol, through a um, through a uh, process that they used. They used this Day of Atonement mm. process. The last part of that was the scapegoat, how he had put on him all the sins that had been confessed in the sanctuary, and they led that scapegoat out into the wilderness, so wilderness, a place where there were no people. And when you see this happening in reality during this thousand years, you say, ha, ah, this is the fulfilment of that Day of Atonement. Here is how it's happening. And Satan is left here to think about all the things he made people do, and those people didn't want to do them. You know, those who had uh, who have confessed that to Jesus has allowed Jesus to take the punishment for that, who died in their place. He is left to think about it. He is left with the guilt of that. Now, I know guilt is hard to deal with, but he has to deal with the guilt of everyone who said, I didn't want to do this, Satan. And, and you, you put us in this situation. Mm. So that's, that's that fulfillment of that day of atonement. I think it's fascinating, fascinating. Mm. But the way I understand what happens then at the end of the thousand years is by understanding executive phases of judgment, by how, how it actually happens in a court, courtroom. So when we hear about judgments throughout the Bible, we sometimes get confused about, oh, I thought that judgment was done. Oh, why are they judging again? You know, what's, what's all these different judgments? In many places, it's talking about different phases of judgment. So first, there's an investigative phase. So all the facts are presented to the, to the judge, the truth and all the information, and the judge has got to work out what is true and what isn't. And so he works out what has happened. Mm. Then when that's done and all the facts have been 
been presented, there's a summary phrase, uh, phase, sorry, not phrase. And, and this is where the outcome is decided, uh, who is guilty, who is innocent. So then, you know, the, if it's a jury, the jury will come and say, we believe he is innocent or he is guilty. And then there's the executive phase of the judgment. And this is where the punishment is handed down. And sometimes there's time between those. He says, right, you're going to come back for sentencing in three months' time or mm. tomorrow or whatever it might be. Mm. So there's phases of judgment. So God's judgment appears to be the same or very similar. Before he returns, there's a proper investigation of all the facts to decide who's righteous and who's not. Then there's a summary phase where the holy and the unholy are declared, and we find that in Revelation as well. Then there is finally the executive phase where the judgment, the actual judgment is handed out, and this executive phase comes at the end of the thousand years. So at the end of the thousand years for the righteous, of course they've been in heaven, <clears throat> for a thousand years, reigning with Christ and validating his judgment. They're, they're like the jury, if you like. And then at the end of the thousand years, they return to earth in this new Jerusalem where John sees it returning to earth. Now, the chapter, although this is in chapter 21, Revelation 19, 20, and 21 deal with different events, different focuses. Mm. And in 21, there is a focus on things being made new. So you see the new Jerusalem coming down. But in actual fact, as you look at the story and how it's unfolding, it's actually happening during the period uh, in, in Revelation 20, the New Jerusalem. Um, anyway, so you, you have to read through that through and understand that yourself. So the unrighteous, what happens to them? Let me read a passage in chapter 20. Chapter 20 of Revelation 7 to 9, it says, Now when the thousand years have expired, this is the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. You think, hang on a minute, wasn't everyone either in heaven or on earth, uh, like in their graves? Mm. Well, mm. that whole phrase describes it. They were in the four corners of the earth. If they're in the earth, they're in the graves. So they need to be resurrected. Mm. Okay, so they're resurrected and they are gathered together to battle whose number is like the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth, surrounded the army at the camp of the saints. That's the beloved city, it says, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So God is not present. God the Father is not present there. He is still in heaven. But Jesus and the redeemed and the new Jerusalem are here on the earth, it comes down. And this is the process that happens at the end. So everyone here at this point, now if you go, if you jump in Revelation 20 to verse 11 to, uh, let me see, 11 to 13, you see that that actually fits in there in Revelation 20 and verse 7 when Satan is released. Okay, mm. so Satan is now able to tempt people. The wicked are resurrected. And at this point, at this point, this is the only point in history where everyone who ever lived is alive on the earth. The wicked, the righteous, they're all alive. Mm. They've all been resurrected. And at this point, it appears this is the only place where Philippians 2, 9 and 10 can actually be fulfilled. And that is, it says that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven, because they're down here in the New Jerusalem, those on earth, that's the, the righteous who are in that city, and those 
under the earth. Now, if they're under the earth, they're in their grave and they can't acknowledge God unless they're resurrected. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then what happens after that is Satan does his tempting work again. He deceives them. I don't know what is going to happen, but but they've already seen in this in this uh, judgment scene that's that's uh, explained further on in chapter twenty that God was faithful. They've had their uh, their 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 case presented, and then God gets rid of sin, suffering, and everything forever, forever, forever. Mm. And my appeal to you today is to make a choice. Yeah. While you have time. Absolutely. And it is a choice. It's a free choice that we can make ourselves. And, um, yeah, well, the evidence uh, is before us. We just need to make a decision. Now, uh, David, next time you're going to be talking about Eden restored. Um, what happens next? Yeah, hmm. awesome. And uh, remember our Faith FM dinner, if you're in the Hobart or even southern Tasmania area, or even if you want to drive down, there's still a few places, just two or three places left. Uh, you can register. Um, you've been hearing the ads online, so we do encourage you to do that. Listen21 is our code for today, and uh, we do encourage you to uh, um, text in. Now, God is speaking. Are you listening? This is uh, Come to Me by Jaden Levick. Thanks, David. What do you do when it rains? Where do you go when the world falls on you? Who do you call on when all your hope is gone? All your hope is gone. And what do you do in the pain? Come and rest your weary soul 